It's hard for me to remember a time before digital photography. So I was thinking about that this week. I, I do remember, but it's not as easy for me to remember taking that canister of film to a, a drugstore and getting actual pictures developed and to think my kids will know nothing of what I just talked about, most likely. It's kind of, kind of amazing. There's so many things that have changed. You used to keep the negatives of the pictures that were really important. I mean, all sorts of things that are, are really, really different. But one thing that hasn't changed when it comes to photography, certainly on a professional grade or uh, uh, an extreme hobby level, would be filters. There used to be there would be these uh, accessories to the camera that would filter the light in such a way where the picture would look different if you applied the filter. Now, courtesy of digital photography, courtesy of your smartphone, uh, if you have one, likely there's... A, many, many filters already on your phone. So you take a picture and after the picture is taken, you can apply all these filters. And it doesn't necessarily change what, what the image is, but it, it certainly changes the look of it. It changes the coloring. It changes aspects. It highlights some things and, and minimizes other things. It accentuates some things and, and diminishes other things. There are, are filters that you can apply that modify the image. And when I was reading the psalm this week, I, I thought how helpful it would be to think in terms of filters by which we look through particularly Psalm 40 and apply different filters because Psalm 40 is going to stay the same, but as we apply a different filter, we're going to see some different things. And so I hope your mind's open, your heart's open to what God would teach you as we apply some different filters to Psalm 40 this morning. But what I'd like to do first is read it with no filter. I'd like for us to read through Psalm 40. It'll take us a, a couple minutes to do so. Uh, it may be the most valuable thing, most valuable way you spend your time this Sunday is hearing no filter, God's word, God's mind, God's spirit speaking to you from Psalm 40. So let, let's read this. This is a Psalm of David, Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God, and many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who doesn't, go to the, doesn't turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You've multiplied, O oh Lord my God, you've multiplied your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and I will tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering, you've not delighted, but you've given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering, you've not required. But then I said, behold, I've... I've come in the scroll of the book, it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I've told the glad news of deliverance in a great congregation. Behold, I've not restrained my lips, as you know, O oh Lord. I've not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I've spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I've not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness 
from the great congregation. And as for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me. I cannot see. They're more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. So be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste. Hurry up to help me. And let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch snatch away my life. Let those be turned away and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. I make a request of you today. Can you keep your Bibles open or your screens on? So that you can track as we kind of apply some of these different filters of Psalm 40. I I see great, great benefit in you seeing it for yourself. Each one of these filters as we overlay them on Psalm 40. What what is going on in this psalm? It's, It's a psalm of King David. And King David has a story to tell. And it's a, a rich story. It's God's amazing grace. He's a follower of God with a story to tell. And in that way, I believe that the implication couldn't be any clearer to us. We are followers of God also with a story to tell. We have this story. We can't walk away from this psalm in which we hear of David's story and think there is no application for us. We also have a story to tell. And I I mean that individually, but I also mean that for our entire church family. What would your story of God's grace, what would that sound like? So imagine if we were at dinner or you were at a coffee with a friend and, and you were to be tasked with telling your story of God's grace in your life, I wonder what that would sound like. How would you craft it? And what I hope is individually, we will be, we will be more hungry to share a story of God's grace. And my prayer is a congregation, even kind of leaning into this new year, that as a congregation, we will be more and more Embracing of telling stories of God's grace. I want to approach our time in this world by applying filters and highlighting aspects of Psalm 40, especially as it relates relates to telling a story just like David did in Psalm 40. I think the first filter that I would apply is, as we tell our story of what God's done for us, we tell our stories through a God-centered filter. So this is the first filter that I can clearly see kind of overlaying on Psalm 40. It is a God-centered filter as much as David owns this story. Okay, so David is the one telling about it. There's, there's lots of I 
and my in, in Psalm 40. This is David's story. It's a, it's a biography. It's an autobiography of his experience with God. Still, though, the main actor of this story is not David. It's God. As we tell our stories of God's grace and his faithfulness, is the main character in this story God. Look at the text. I mean, you could go verse after verse after verse. I think I counted all but three or four verses in these 17 verses of the psalm have the Lord referred to directly. At times you even read, oh my God, or oh Lord. But other times you you see, I, I waited patiently for the Lord. He drew me up from the pit of destruction in verse two. He put a new song in my mouth in verse three. And then you get down to verses like verse 10 and 11. Do you have it there in front of you? It says, I've not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I've spoken of your, your faithfulness and your salvation. I've not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. I mean, David cannot quit talking about God because David lives in a God-centered world. We live in a We live in a world where God is meant to be the center, but too often we just don't even begin to follow the directions. We try to make our story and our life be so human-centered. And it all falls apart, and it never comes together quite like it should when we are at the center. It's like me who is the furthest thing from mechanically inclined trying to put together something without the instructions. I have such a hard enough time with the instructions. It just ain't even going to happen. But I say, well, I don't need those. I'll do it my way. And that's about as foolish as trying to live a human-centered life in this God-centered world. We have a god centered story. We wake up. This morning when your alarm clock went off, you wake up because of God. And you breathe air because of God. And you have food to eat because of God. And all the things you will enjoy today are because of God. Do we see our world that way? Do you see your school that way? Do you see, do you see your family that way? Do you see your friends that way? Do you see your hobbies that way? Do you see you are living, I am living in a God-centered world? It's possible that we could live without him kind of, with, without him functionally. He's just off in the distance and he really doesn't impact anything immediate. And if you're honest, maybe... You say, Curtis, it actually, I don't live in a God-centered world. God actually feels quite distant. Whoever he is, whatever the idea of him is, God just hasn't been much of a part of my life, a part of my story. I would say, yet God brought you here to encounter him, to experience him. And God might have Amazing things in store for you if you're open to learn, if you're open to grow, if you're open to experience God in a new way. Ask Him 
to show himself to you, even if he's distant. Ask him to become the center of the world. If you say, I don't even know where I'd start, well, then I'd love to talk with you more about that. Anybody at this church, any of our staff, any of the worship leaders would love to talk with you more about this. Church, let's talk about what God has done in our lives and let's talk about what grace he's shown, but let's do it with a filter that always makes it unmistakable that God is at the center of our lives. God is designing and directing, he's sustaining, he's preparing, he's encouraging, he's loving, he's showing himself faithful to us. Apply this filter to Psalm 40 and tell your story with a God-centered filter. There's another filter that we can kind of view Psalm 40 through, and that is, can I call it a a life change filter. So when I read these verses, especially the first few verses of Psalm 40, you get the idea that David is telling you something about how his life has changed. What do I mean by this? I mean a personal, definitive encounter with God in which you're never the same. A personal, definitive encounter in which you walk away and it's not the same. You may not even have words to explain it, but you, you, you aren't the same. Things can never be the same. David talks like that, doesn't he? You read it in Psalm 40 and verse 1. He says, I waited. And you read the word, I waited patiently, but... The Hebrew would say, I waited. I mean, I really waited for the Lord. And then he heard me. He inclined to me. And then notice the description in verse 2. I mean, what a life change. He drew me up from the pit that was going to destroy me. And if that weren't enough, he set my feet on something much more secure, something I can live the rest of my life, not just here, but in eternity, I can live the rest of my life He put a new song in my mouth. This is something that's happened to David. He has changed. And and we ought to learn to tell our stories through a life change filter. For, For many of us, the life change that we would most identify when we read those words, like I waited for the Lord and he brought me out of destruction, set my feet upon a rock. For many, when they hear those words, they initially go to when they when they first put their faith in Jesus as their Savior. For some of you, that was a definitive moment. For some of you, it was less of kind of like a pinpoint time and more of a season. Maybe it's like someone said to me recently, said, yeah, I don't know what's happened, but, but I'm changed. I'm different. Over the last six months, God has changed me. And I, I, it's not as if this person had all questions answered. It was just that God had done something in their life, a definitive experience to where they say, I'm not the same. And as they're telling their story, they're saying, over the last six months, something's happened to me. Maybe something like John Newton wrote in Amazing Grace, I once was blind, but now I see A time where, maybe you even grew up in church, but there's a a moment in time where it all became very personal to you. And you've never been the same. I hear similar language coming from people telling their story, not necessarily even their initial encounter with the Lord, but sometimes these words sound a lot like when people come back to the Lord. So sometimes we've walked with the Lord for a while and and we stray, we rebel, we go our own path. 
And then God gets our attention and we come back to him. Church, I want to encourage you to tell this story. Tell the story of how you initially were brought to faith in Jesus Christ. Tell the story of how God met you. Tell the story of how a tragedy changed your life. Tell the story of how some painful circumstance changed your life. Tell the story of of how you moved or maybe an addiction that you battled. Tell, Tell that story of how God has shown grace. Tell the story of how your heart was broken, but you walked away from that never the same. Tell the story. Do your your friends know of the life that God has changed inside of you? Do, Do they know? Do your kids know that? Does your nephew, does your niece, do do co-workers know of this way in which your life was changed? Does, does your family know this story that, that we once were on a path to destruction, but, but not now, because God has rescued us? Do you have stories like that? Interesting, last Sunday, holidays uh, mean we encounter family, and some of that goes really well, and some of that goes really poorly. And a very good friend was sharing how it went very poorly for him. He was telling a story about his dad who never encouraged, never built him up, was harsh, still is harsh. And he told me how he was talking to his own children and how he wanted so much more for their life, how he wanted them to see a godly father who had been touched by God's grace and who has never been the same since he met the Lord. And I thought, that's, that's it. He's telling the story so another generation knows of God's grace. And so I told him, you're, you're a first-generation Christian in this family, and God is going to do amazing things in your kid's life as you tell the story of we once were lost, but God, God found us. Do you have that story to tell? Do you have the story of how you are being made into a new creation? Old things passing away. Everything is becoming new. Do you have that story? How long has it been since you shared this? How long has it been since you said, you know, if God had not changed my life or my family's life, I don't know where we'd be. How long has it been since you shared that story? Church, let's talk about what God has done in our lives. This this is not a taboo subject. This is God's grace to us. We talk like David talks. We have lots to celebrate because of what God has done in our lives. Let's recognize where we would be if he'd left us on our own and let's tell our stories through a life change filter. But I want to add to that because I, I think there's another filter. Let's also tell our stories through a, the in-progress filter. 
It's the best way I know how to describe it because Psalm 40 is a story about a definitive personal encounter with God, but it's also a psalm that doesn't kind of end. It seems like it continues. Like we don't know how it all ends up for David in Psalm 40. We know he had this definitive encounter. His feet were set upon the rock, but But there's a lot of things we don't know. How does it all work out? It seems like a lot of David's life in Psalm 40 is in progress. You see it in verse 4. He's talking about blessed are those who who trust in the Lord, who makes the Lord his trust. That's not like, yeah, I I did that 15 years ago. That's like today. And then then you pick up in verse 11. David, it doesn't seem like he's crossed any finish line here. He says... As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. And he needs that mercy and he needs that steadfast love and faithfulness. Because in verse 12, he says, evils, you define that however you want, have encompassed me beyond number and my iniquities have overtaken me. They're more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. It gets, gives us the picture that David doesn't know how all this is going to turn out. He says in verse 13, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Even the end of the verse, the end of this psalm in verse 17 says, you are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. David does not know how this is going, but he does know God is faithful and he does know God shows steadfast love. I love that about this psalm. We're confronted with a man who is processing how God is going to act even in his troubles. I remember growing up uh, in church and there was something that like we all kind of knew the rules of the road and that was something called like sharing your testimony or testimony time. And generally that meant you, you told how God worked in your life, bringing you to faith in Jesus Christ, how you were saved. But I think what often concerns me about our, our testimony is it's, it's something that God has done without any thought to what God is doing. And I think both are important. We need to hear stories, not just of what God has done, but also what God is doing now. Right now. Do we have stories of God's sustaining grace? His grace in progress. Are we sharing those? Are we telling those? Not where like it all tied up in a neat package and man, isn't God good, but right now in the midst of a long-term illness. You have stories of God's grace in progress there or long-term care for someone you love. Do you have stories of God's grace right there? Do we tell stories where we are right in the middle of fighting addiction and surviving? And so it's not as if we've got like this long, clean, sober track record, but like right now I can tell you New mercies are coming to me every morning and God's grace is coming. And that's about all I can say is God is faithful right now. Do we have those stories? Can we we share those stories? Can we hear those stories? Can we hear the stories where, where we're recovering from the pain of loss? And not something like five years ago, but something a week or a month or a year ago where we're We hear those stories and we hear how God is sustaining. Are we finding God's grace to be enough for the trials, enough for betrayal? Are we finding God's grace to be enough for even monotony where life is not as exciting as you wish 
And you're pretty much doing the same thing over and over again. And this is not where you had pictured it being. This is not anybody's five-year plan. It's just monotony, but still in that, God is showing his kindness. God is teaching you to trust. Do you ever tell those stories? Have you shared any of those recently? Have you shared what, what God's word has taught you or what friends have taught you or what your parents have taught you or what your kids have taught you? Have you, have you shared that? Are those stories becoming such a featured part of the landscape here at Ogletown so much so that we couldn't think of going to church without sharing or hearing a story of what God is doing? Not, what, not, not even what he's done, but what he is doing right now. You know, we could, we could pretend that all of our lives are all put together and we're really, really glad that God showed us grace in the past and now we're kind of just living the dream. But we all know that's a joke. We all know there's pain. We all know there's frustration. We all know there's difficult circumstances. We all know there's things that push our anxiety buttons and our, our materialism buttons. We all know that. Can we share how God is at work in progress? Church, let's do that. Let's recognize it won't always be neatly packaged. Often it won't be, but God is good. And we can say, I'm walking by faith and trying to not lose hope. Do you have this filter? A filter that's in progress. Another filter I see emerging in Psalm 40 is, uh, you call it a, a worship filter. So this is like praise directed toward God. This, this story that David tells so captures his heart. Like, do we tell our stories and kind of at the end, someone wouldn't get the impression whether we have a good God or not? Or are we so impressed with God that we're led to worship, not be anxious, and led to enjoy, not complain, and led to find satisfaction, not chase after other things? I mean, look at this psalm. In, in verse 3, you have David. He says, he put a new song in my mouth. This is, this is worship vocabulary. When songs come directed toward God, this is, this is worship. In, in verse 4, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Trust is worship language. Verse 5, kind of in the middle of that, none can compare with you. What is that? That is David. You have a front row seat. I have a front row seat to David worshiping in public here for all of us. Saying none can compare to God. In verse 8, he says, I delight to do your will. Delight is another worship word. In verse 9, it's kind of there will be no restraint on his lips as he tells glad news of deliverance. At the end, he kind of ends with rapid fire. Be, be glad in verse 16. Rejoice and may those who love your salvation say continually, verse 16, great is the Lord. And so this is, this is a question I ask of my own Heart. How many weeks went by in 2015 where I never uttered those words, great is the Lord?
How many times have, did I go through God doing something powerful and I never, I never let that motivate my heart to worship? What if in 2016, every single Sunday, without fail, in this room, great is the Lord, was said. And I'm not saying from this stage even. I'm saying before or after or maybe in the parking lot or maybe in conversation where great is the Lord. God did this. God worked in this way. What would it be like if you didn't let a week, what, what, if, what if a day didn't go by where we weren't drawn to worship? When we see God at work in our lives, we're meant to offer praise and thanksgiving to him. And see, this is the way I see church. I see church as a collection of these stories. And then we all end up in the same room and say, you're sovereign over us. You're teaching us to trust. We gather in this room. We say boldly we can approach your throne because this is the art of celebration, knowing we're free from any condemnation. And that's my story, but it's also your story. And as we gather together to worship, we ought to hear these stories again and again. That's why before people get baptized, we hear their story. That's why we're working on a a, a portion of our service and, and featuring some stories of what God has done. One of the obstacles of telling our stories is somehow we think, well... Yeah, Curtis, yeah, I hear this, and yeah, great is the Lord, but I say that, I'm going to sound overly pious. And I know someone that always seems to be, bring God into everything, and it just kind of makes me uncomfortable, and I really don't like that. That's kind of not my style, and so I just choose to kind of think about it in my heart, but I don't really like to verbalize it. And I would just say you're going against the grain of Psalm 40. So I'm sure, I'm sure you and I can be a hypocrite about this. I'm sure we can bring up God's name in a way that seems really pretentious and overly pious. I'm sure that's possible. Let's just run that risk, okay? Let's just run the risk of maybe, let, let's, let God sort out the motives of our heart. But let's be quick, our reflex to say, great is the Lord. This is God's kindness. This is God's mercy. I'm not going to hold back for the sake of being a little bit too cool to do that. I'm going to be glad to say, this is my God. This is who I worship. This is who has made a difference in my life. I think what happens when we go public like that, see, I would think when guests come in here, and maybe they don't know the first clue about God, Jesus, Bible, cross, resurrection, Holy Spirit, none of those. And they look at who is assembled here, and we don't all look the same, we don't all talk the same, we don't all have the same background. But what if on any given Sunday, when the music starts, and it's time to praise, we all have the same, same reflex. Great is the Lord. It's time. It's time. Telling our stories through a worship filter. I think there's another filter, though. It's not directed just to God as we tell our stories. We can tell our stories through a ministry filter. 
If worship's directed to God, ministry is directed to each other, taking our stories and sharing them with our church family. I love how early on in this psalm, it moves pretty quickly. David would say that God put his feet upon the rock and he put a new song in verse 3, a new song in his mouth, but it's a song of praise. And then the the pronoun changes. It's not just the song of praise to my God, David says, but to our God. He quickly brings in the congregation. He wants others to be impacted by this story. That's why in verse 9 and verse 10 he says, I've told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Verse 10 ends, I've not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. See, when, when we talk about ministry, it would be very easy to think, yeah, well, that's, ministry is what ministers do, and ministers are those who are paid and ordained and have education to do that. But I, I want to change a paradigm here and say, you are competent and qualified to do ministry, and part of that, part of that ministry will be sharing your story. You're competent and qualified to share what God has done in your life so that more people will trust in him, more confidence in his deep love, more joy in his salvation. I'd love for small groups and Sunday Bible studies to have a regular feature, a regular part of gathering together a story of how God has been at work. We need to hear those stories. See, you might think you have very little to add, but, but there you are, you're, you're a parent and you've, you've loved your children despite, despite perhaps even their rebellion, despite special needs, through medical conditions, through behavioral challenges, you've loved your children and you have a story of how God has shown grace to you, even as it's not been easy. Tell that story. It'll minister to others. Maybe you've lived life feeling very lonely on one hand, but also feeling loved on the other. Tell that story. This church family needs to hear. Maybe you have a life-wrecking decisions you made or others made that impacted you, but God in the midst of all that has rebuilt your life. Tell that story. I promise you it will minister to others. Tell it over dinner. Tell it over coffee. Tell it before church, after church. We've got to have a regular rhythm of telling and hearing stories. And when we end up reading God's word and we say, can I just say that's my experience as well? This, is how, this rings so true because this is what God's done in my own life. I have a friend that uh, I'd say it's about every other month will send me an email. And that they're... There are various subjects, but regularly they get down to something that this friend has read that just made him love God more, made him thank God more for God's work in his life. And so he'll send it and the email will go something like this, Curtis, I just wanted you to know that we have an awesome God who loves to give good gifts to his children. How good is our God? Have a great day. And so notice what happens in that moment. I'm, I'm more inclined to worship because of this person's story, this person's reflection, and him sharing that with me than if my inbox had sat empty for that minute. You can minister. You can encourage. Church, let's talk about what God has done in our lives.
There's one more filter. I think that filter, let's call it the witness filter. Let's tell our stories through the witness filter. By the witness filter, I mean a witness is someone who tells what they know to be true. Our stories give us something to witness. And if worship is directed to God and ministry is directed to each other, then witness is directed to the world. Witness says, this is who I found God to be. This is how he has worked. This is how I've never been the same. You see, in verse 3, how David says, he put a new song in my mouth, and so... I'm going to look at it. Many will see. Many will see and fear and put their trust. So this, this is what I totally believe. I totally believe there's someone that works in a, in a cubicle or someone in a townhouse community or someone that you're in class with. And God has providentially arranged the circumstances for you to intersect with their life. And they're not coming to this church and they're not coming to any church. But you're there. And in the course of the year, you will tell your story. And that will be so meaningful to them because right now, their story looks pretty dismal. And they don't see God anywhere in it. And it's hopeless and it's heartbreaking. And God knew what he was doing. And God put you there. And you don't feel overly special and you don't feel overly religious. But you can say, this is what I've seen God do. This is how God's changed my life. I want to pray for you because I know God can work. I've seen him do it in my own life. And who knows? See, I I really don't count on these four walls, this building, doing much of anything in anybody's life this coming year. I do expect God to work exponentially in the lives of people at Ogletown. I do expect God to work through you. I do expect when we get to this time in 2017 for people to be sitting here because you told your story. How God worked. Others come to experience God because he shared. I was thinking about a friend of mine who a few months ago got got diagnosed with some, I mean, horrific kidney issues. And because of that, that meant dialysis, which meant he's in a dialysis clinic uh, three times a week. And I've watched him, talked with him about every other week. And I've watched how he's turned the dialysis clinic into his mission field. And he and his wife know each person there and the new people that come in. And he is, he is light in a very tough place. They had a Christmas party that this family hosted others that are in this dialysis clinic going through a very, very painful ordeal. I'm pretty sure no one, no one writes their story, I, I want dialysis. I'm sure no one wants that. No one wants that. That's, that's heartbreaking and that's hard. And there's nothing I can do to minimize that. But I see how God uses it. I see how God strengthens others through that. Do we tell our stories through the witness filter? So what do I hope for? I hope for you individually and for us as a a family 
to embrace storytelling. I'd love for an unmistakable part of our DNA to be, yeah, we, we tell stories of God's grace around here. We love hearing them. We love telling them. We love cases that seem like there was no hope and no help. May God shape us into the storytelling church he wants us to be. Can I ask you to bow your head? In a moment, we're going to end our service with a song of praise. Just says, thank you, God, for saving me. It echoes so well with Psalm 40. I think how appropriate that we get an opportunity after after being reminded that we should be telling our story, how appropriate that we get to end on a note of worship to our Lord and in some ways ministry to each other as we sing to each other, commissioned to witness in this world. Father, would you help us to tell our story, to not hoard it, to not think we have to have it perfect to tell. Would you commission us to tell it to others? Lord, build your church here by the stories that we tell and the stories that we hear. Stir us to trust you more and love you more. Love our neighbor well. And may, in the end, you get all praise and all glory from it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.